What's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And we are here, and Happy New Year's. Uh, I, I thought this was coming out New Year's Day. It's not. Josh uh, told me it's coming out on New Year's Eve. So, Happy New Year's to everybody. Um, I really don't have any comments because a lot of people are saying it's going to be a better year next year, and some people are saying it's better. So, I'll just leave that on for interpretation i guess right it's just another day to me uh another great year for ministry obviously so um we're super excited today um we're going to be able to f- kind of continue off what we talked about last week but um we do have a guest even though he's not a guest we've got pastor jason with us today pastor jason how you doing good good we're glad he could be here with us today for this great discussion in a sense we've kind of been like talking to him about this subject and i felt like the three of us were kind of like little kids <laughs> begging their dad to go do something so we were, we were like come join us we were, we were talking even last week we tried to get pastor jason to join us because of just the the pre-recorded conversation that we had amongst ourselves and uh we uh sat through the podcast and recorded it and we all said jason has got to be involved next week because uh, uh the, the the main topics we, that we're going to talk about t- today in, in the podcast god willing uh are, are things that uh man alive they really are in depth in in, in scriptural in doctrine and uh, uh pastor has uh, been passionate about it and i can't wait to i'm just going to be like the uh, uh the the the, the cheerleader i'm just gonna sit back and listen and cheer you guys on well the uh, one thing that is that i love about our pastor is that you know you don't get a direct answer it's more of a it, but it helps because it's like have you looked into this you know and actually last week afterwards after he had mentioned all of that i went home and started reading immediately like i sat down <laughs> and then i shot him a text i'm like hey i was like this stuff is good this is really good and uh i thanked him you know but that's the thing that you know sometimes sometimes we overlook you know the, the true blessings around us because of that you know sometimes we're looking for that quick easy answer and and sometimes we get the best or the greatest blessing out of you know just diving in and you know having somebody to guide us and to just just point us in the right direction and and thank you for that i always thought you never you never will believe um your faith won't be as strong as it needs to be until you, the holy spirit puts it in your heart once he puts it in your heart it'll be there for the rest of your life so um and i had uh, my papa was one that he i would go wanting the quick answer and i'd go up and and he'd say well did you read it did you study it and he said did you pray about it that's in the discussion. Yep. After that, it was so. Uh, so anyway, I'm just trying to pass that along. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's a joy. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about the role of a pastor, um, you know, he's the under shepherd. He's shepherding a specific flock in a specific area. Um, but one thing I love is you know he's supposed to encourage us, help us, guide us, um, provide godly wisdom and godly advice, but. What I love is, like Josh said, a lot of times when you ask him something, and it's not just us, it's in anyone in this church, he always has um, has it on his heart to you know challenge us, to really study out and let the Spirit show us mm-hmm. instead of him just giving us the answers. And so that's always an encouraging thing. But we're super glad he could be here today. Absolutely. Um, I know the four of us, like I said, outside of this podcast, we've been having just discussions randomly about the high priesthood and josh has been studying this like for four weeks now and 
I feel like he he's just been all over it inside and out. And if you're if you're listening to the podcast, and maybe you're out of order and you don't know what what we're talking about. Uh, we're we're continuing our our podcast that we started pre Christmas. Yeah. About the virgin birth. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was a good transition. Alan set us up perfect. Um, before we do that, though, it is going to be the New Year's. Um, and so, you know, obviously the cliche thing, I, I guess, would be to talk about a New Year goal. Um, but we definitely didn't want to do the cliche of, you know, weight loss or this or this. Um, we, we're going to go around the table and just kind of talk about something this next year that we'd love to grow more in the Lord with or in His Word. And Alan's going to kick us off. Go ahead, Alan. Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I've been guilty of myself. Been, you know, I'm going to get the gym and go and get a membership, and the next thing you know, February comes around and I'm paying for a membership that I'm not using. Yeah. So, uh, spiritually, God is, is so much more to offer than uh, what we or I capitalize on. So, uh, I would like to, and again. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, God has really uh, helped me in, in my life, my spiritual growth in the past three, four, five years in the fact that uh, I, I, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit speak clearer. And I think part of that is because I'm, I'm listening a little more carefully. So I think probably in 2021, one of my goals would be to be more obedient yeah. to the Holy Spirit, more sensitive to him and, and just uh, follow his follow his instructions. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Josh, what you got? Um, in the years past, basically, one of the things that I'm guilty of is um, reflecting on my history, my past, or looking too far in the future, trying to like look forward for things to change and to come. Um, and I, at times, miss the moment that I'm actually living in. Um, so f- spiritually speaking, one of the things that I'm going to be try to be more aware of is them, that moment, that day. Where I'm at, what's God put on my heart, and um, because I mean, there's a lot of times that witness opportunities that I I find myself leaving, and right afterwards, I'm like, why did you just leave? You know, and it's that mindset that's like, oh, I'm too busy, or I, I got to go yeah. do this, and I'm put in worldly obligations before what the Lord has put in front of me, and uh, so if I could just focus more on that, and the other thing is, like, you know, at times, I'll study for something in the future, and I often get so consumed and wrapped up in it that, you know, when when I truly sit down to read, I'm just focused on that and, and going through that instead of just, you know, I need to, I guess, set more time aside for, you know, just to see what the Lord has and, and do more independent studies, not so much topical focus. Yeah. That's a good answer. I, I think uh, I actually um, was talking to Pastor the other day about an opportunity where I felt led just to ask, talk to someone about church, and something came up. And uh, once I left and got in the car, I, I told him I was getting a Holy Spirit whooping yeah. because I wasn't being sensitive in in, in the moment um, to do what I felt was he was leading me to do. Um, so for me, this next year, which uh, I believe it was uh, our hit. Pastor's sermon Sunday morning was challenging, but also Monday night prayer. Yet last night, um, Ty, I mean, he really put us on the spot too. Like, what could we be praying for for God to use us more? But he kind of threw the challenge up as well. It was like, what are some things this next year that you could focus more on instead of what this world has to offer? Um, and so I've really been thinking about it. And uh, I guess two things that I really feel like 
Um, I'd love to work on it and do better, but just let God just mold me and push me further in is um, humility. I feel like sometimes, like, for me, it, it's just really easy to kind of get a, a boastful persona um, and to be honest, like a, almost like a cockiness um, where I, I feel like I'm something, um, which shortly after I feel like I'm something, I'm reminded by the scriptures I'm nothing, um, that it's Christ who lives in me. Um, but I, I really feel like, and I pray for that God would humble me more um, this next year because, um, you know, the scriptures talk about people who are meek, people who are lowly, people who are humble, um, how God recognizes them, how God raises them up. Um, but another aspect of that was, as well as, you know, the Bible talks about that we should ask for wisdom, ask for understanding. And uh, I, I'm I'm a learn. I love learning uh, the scriptures. And I, I really feel like if I could um, humble myself before him more, um, then I would be in a better place to learn more um, from the spirit. So, um, yeah, humility, uh, my pride, I'd love to see just the pride within me be worked on um, to the point where um, when it comes to ministry or whatever, you know, it's not about what Hunter did, but it's about what the Lord did. And um, I, I'm young and super, super immature um, in faith still. Still got a lot of growing to do. Um, and I just feel like that's something that I, I pray that the Lord would mature me in this next year. So, I think... Um... A lot of my thoughts for the last couple of weeks on the next year, um, it's not as much as putting as more time in studying because you can study can come wearisome if you just if that's all you ever do. Um, <clears throat> and I think what I'm going to do is um, um, my I want my prayer life to intensify more. Um, your prayer life is basically your relationship, the majority of your relationship that you have with the Lord. And when it comes to um, whether a person's pastoring or uh, ministering, um, teaching, whatever, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And uh, and through your prayer life is really when you when you commune with the Lord personally. And uh, and I I really have been thinking about it. Um, when when we start serving the Lord, I'm, I'm and I mean with a whole heart when we're pursuing Him, um, you'll pray more when you're young and you're you're wanting to learn more. And uh, you go through uh, trials and errors, of course. Um, but it's through that time of prayer that you you start asking the Lord in each and every situation. And I've just noticed, I think through the years, when you start gaining knowledge and then you, you sort of have some wisdom about you uh, in ministering, if you stop how you began, which was praying, yeah. intensely praying, getting along with the Lord more than you had before, um, I think that's the key in a person's life mm-hmm. is spending time with the Lord. And uh, none of us have the power really to do anything w- without him giving us that. And uh, and I really think that the Holy Spirit could use um, myself and uh, others, you know, that if we would just commune with him more, talk to him more, and, uh, and let him lead us. Alan said sensitivity, being more sensitive and through your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, and I, I'm just so reminded by um, men I've listened to, such as A.W. Tozer, um, Bob Utley, that it seems like um, the men that have been faithfully laboring in, in the Word, 
Um, it seems like the older they get, the closer they get to one solution. Is if you're not praying more than you're reading, you're not going to be growing more. Um, and so that's a, these are good things um, to be thinking about for all four of us. But you know, all of our listeners, you know, we kind of want to throw this out, um, reflect, and think about this this next year. Like, what what are things in your life that um, maybe you could get rid of, maybe you could spend less time doing, um, so you could get closer to the Lord. What are some attributes about yourself, some characteristics about yourself that you just really like to work on so you can mature in the faith? Because, um, if there's one thing I've learned, um, in, in my short years of ministry is that this world is only for so long. And that if the world's only for so long, it means that this life is only for so long. And uh, I know we talk about him a lot, but that's just the impact he had on us, Brother Jar. I just remember listening to him talking about his life and all the things that he had done, but just all the things he had done in the church and his walk with the Lord. Um, and I and I learned, you know, Jar did talk about you know what he did for a living, all of these things, but because how much more Jar focused on his spiritual walk. You know, it was maybe he. It seemed like he didn't have a lot on this side, but he, what was waiting for him once he passed and he was with the Lord? Um, it, it just showed me that we should spend more time when it comes to eternal things more than when it comes to temporal things um, down here. And so we want to challenge you guys um, to really think. You know, what are some things this next year that you could do or uh, start practicing? Um, and uh, it could be something so simple like. You know, that a couple months ago or a month ago, um, I really started making a lot of time on Monday mornings, starting my week out before I even open the Word to study for the podcast or um, preaching opportunities that we start the week out praying for things, lifting things up. So what can you do? Um, so we challenge you guys. And if you have something that you want to discuss, maybe you want to tell us, uh, you can email us at media at watsonschapel.net. We'd love to hear for you guys. We'd love to hear how we could pray for you guys. So I would challenge you guys. Email us. Let us know. Um, so now let's go back to Alan's amazing transition. We are going to, um, in a sense, piggyback, but kind of go in a new direction off of what we talked about last week with the necessity of Jesus's virgin birth. And excuse me, we kind of talked last week without like fully lifting the rock up to let everybody see what was under it. We're going to be talking about the high priest. I kind of poked a bear last week. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end of the episode. Right, got yeah. right there, we're about out of time. And I, 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 but uh, we're, we're going to get uh, really uh, uh, into some mind-boggling scripture about Christ and, and, and the, the positions that he occupied. And one, uh, Pastor Jason is primed and loaded, and I'm just – I'm. I'm just ready to, uh, to to open the gate and turn him out like a like a big <laughs> thoroughbred racehorse and just let him go. But uh, uh, we we quoted uh, Hebrews chapter four verse fifteen last week, uh, and uh, but our our high priest. Yeah, and Josh has like four pages of notes too. <laughs> that was like I said. Was, that was the it was a teaser. Me on I know there, there was no way we're going to cover that, <laughs> but. Uh, it was just kind of a prelude to what the, the, the meat of today's podcast is going to be. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to be in the book of Hebrews starting off a lot. We'll probably reference it a lot. I challenge anybody, go read the book of Hebrews. Uh, this book right here opened my eyes, uh, but it opened my mind, and it really helped my faith when it came to the deity of Jesus. 
Um, so I'd challenge anybody to study it out. But we're going to talk about the high priest, and we've kind of got two questions. Um, we'll see how far we get today. Um, but this first question, and I don't know who wants to start, but honestly, whoever wants to start, feel free. Um, the first question is, what is a high priest? And just maybe some things we'll talk about you listeners can hear, um, you know, like requirements, the history of the high priest, when did it start, maybe uh, the duties and responsibility of a high priest, and, and the significance, and there's just a lot of things. So what is a high priest? So let me back up before we really get in. Think about this, um, a virgin that uh, that uh, is promised, right? Yeah. A Messiah. <clears throat> when you think about... Um, the high priest, which we'll talk about today, but not only did he become the high priest, but he also became the sacrifice. Yes, there are things in the Old Testament that were set up that uh, that were continuing, and you read about that the the flow through Hebrews. But when you look as far as with with Mary, and and with the Son of God coming, and, and you know Hebrews talks about how much far greater he is, yeah. you know, than angels, and you go through all those those uh, um, examples in there. But when you really look at it, is that within her womb was the the great high priest, the sacrifice, yeah. the blood, everything was going to be in one, which we learn. And we, we read about the first man, Adam, right? But then we read about that second Adam. Yep. So all this fulfillment and all this promise um, of what we're going to look at today in the high priest, which we know is the one, you know, once a year um, he would come in and hold the office. Uh, he would... He would prepare his day as um, not only for himself but for all the people. He would go through the, the ceremonial washings. I mean, the preparations. And, and think about this: when you when you study about, they had a continual remembrance of sin. The problem was sin to mankind, not not for Christ. But his coming to be all those um, would be a a hard road for him to say that he would have to give his life. But yet, when you look as far as that high priest, we read about they continually, day by day. You know, we read about the blood of bulls and goats. It didn't ever suffice to God. Yeah. Um, the blood, right, that was temporal. It had no relation to the man. The animals had no relation to the man. And you always heard the sacrifice, the lamb became the man. Uh, we see that in Revelation whenever that they looked and the book was held out. He said, who can come and grab hold of the book? And they seen lamb that had been laid to the slaughter. Bible said another place of sheep led for the shears is dumb, so he opened on his mouth. You gonna mess around preach, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little tore up. <laughs> so here, uh, I, I hate to interrupt you, but when we when we start talking about this topic and we start talking about the holiness, yeah, that was involved with the birth of Christ mm. and the fact that he was born of a virgin. Man had nothing to do with it, and and we've talked about this a lot in here about how that we struggle with our uh, carnal Adam, that first Adam, and and the things that we're limited to understanding, and some of the things that uh, God's ways are in our ways, and there's things that we are uh, will never understand about God's word until we get to heaven. But this is one of those things that w we can understand. It's a matter of, of sanctification and maturing in faith, and this is the meat of God's Word and things that people that struggle with this, uh, we, we pray that God will help you understand that this is not a hidden mystery. This is this is scriptural promises fulfilled in Christ. So the the part where it talks, Christ never had to offer a sacrifice for himself. 
he had never sinned. Yep. So there's a big difference looking at the earthly side of, of the priest, you know, even the one that would enter in once a year, or, or the daily sacrifices and, and the numerous amounts of... I mean, they, they say when you read the history of this that... Um, where they offered sacrifices, the smell of the continual blood. A river know, the, of blood. Yeah, there was yeah. a stench of. Um, I mean, even to the point where when you look as far as even the men appointed that would handle those sacrifices at the end, they'd take it outside the camp. Now they were unclean. They had touched dead animals. Um, and there was a system for them to clean, be clean before they come back in. So, uh, you know, when we, when we talk about this today, uh, we look at it as far as on the human side of it, uh, he become our our sacrifice, but then we also see uh, whether it's in Revelations you read or you look through um, that that it talks about being a kingdom of priests and and looking at how that we now Romans twelve right present your bodies. There, there's a lot to that. Uh, we have to continually repent. Yes, you know. Well, he does the saving, the sealing. Uh, he keeps us. He intercedes. He's mediator. He's all those things. But when we look as far as us, I can't put myself in his place mm-hmm. because when I look at him, I think of the sacrifice, yeah. right, the cross, uh, the daily part that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. So, uh, um, And if any of you guys are interested when the Alan and Pastor Jason were talking about uh, Adam, the first Adam, the second Adam. You can read that in Romans chapter 5. Um, and I encourage anybody, it's a great read. It'll teach you a lot about um, Jesus. It'll teach you a lot about Adam. Um, but what I wanted to kind of go with um, was I, I was just in Hebrews 5. And I think this is just a great text. and it says, For every high priest taken from among men is pointed um, on behalf of people and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And so the writer of Hebrews has set the stage in, in a simple verse, has defined simply what a high priest is. Um, it, it's a man that's appointed on behalf of people um, when it comes to things of God, um, especially offering sacrifices and gifts for sins. Um, verse 2 says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is clothed in weakness. Talking about sin. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins for himself as well as for people. Um, no one takes this honor for himself but receives it when he is called by God just as Aaron also was. So this text right here obviously is not referring to Christ as the high priest. But when you ask the question, um, what is the high priest? I mean, Hebrews 5, 1 through 4 really paints the picture of how, in a simple way, he is the representation for the people. He is going to stand up um, on behalf of the people. Now, I mean, when you look at the Old Testament as well, it said right here, that he can deal gently with ignorance. He can deal with the misguided since he's clothed in weakness. He's clothed in sin himself in the Old Testament. And the high priests of the Old Testament, they uh, were not born from a virgin. Uh, they were definitely chosen by God, as the text said. Um, but they were sinful as well. And it said that they had to offer sacrifices for their sins themselves, mm-hmm. but also for the people. Now... Um, Pastor Jason hit it too, and question two actually um, talks about the high priest and the sacrifice. But 
what I want to kind of set the stage um, now is when you look at this, right? So it says the high priest offered for himself, offered for the people. He's going to represent the people. Now let's look at Christ in that position. Because you've already stated that Hebrews also says that Christ didn't have to offer sins offer sacrifices for his own sins because as we talked last week he was so holy and so perfect that he never sinned so how important is it that jesus represents us and that he doesn't have to offer any sin offerings for himself it's just for us how important is that so um think about this so the the levitical priests were from a certain tribe right so we know the Levitical priesthood. We we look at that and see how that when Christ um, being far much better. Yes. Um, right. So we we look as far as the, the difference between the, the spiritual part, the kingdom that's being made up. Um, we look as far as like with us, right? As we were not even Jews. He comes to his own. His own don't receive him. We're Gentile to sin, um, but sinless sacrifice not offering for himself. But we look and we see that uh, his position, I mean his entitlements, as you read through the, the portion of his life, he could transfigure with Peter, James, and John at a, at a moment's time and into his holiness, right? Into his preexistence before, and then he's back, he's back to a man. What priest have we ever read about, a human priest? We, we read about men that run in to, to offer sacrifices. Remember, one come out leprous, one died. Yep. Uh, so we never read that about Christ. The, the frailty of humanity, and even in that priesthood, is that they would serve, their, their family would serve, their sons would serve. You know, it was just a continuation. The problem is, is they forgot about the sacrifice, the importance of it, and how it began. But with Christ, he knew one-time offering that he would become. He was. Yes, yeah. he could become everything. But, and, and again, when you, when you study that out as far as like with the tribes, uh, we we look through Hebrews and we we get into Melchizedek, right? I mean, I know Josh is probably a little ready for that section right there, but but think about this: even when you go back in the Old Testament and you look with Abraham, right, pre Sinai, everything that was taking place, and then we see there there's a picture of this king, this this mm-hmm. this higher power, right? This, and then we see the tithe way before. The, the Levitical tithe, I mean, 23 and some odd percent that as you look at all the tithes. But yet, as we read through Hebrews and we see in Christ being even far greater than Melchizedek, far greater than the Levitical priest. There's always a separation when it comes always. to Christ. Like, even when I was doing some uh, some sermon, working on a sermon yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. Uh, you know, I was in John 18 when Jesus is before Pilate, and he's like, so... Pilate's like, so you're a king. He's like, well, who told you this? The people. And he's like, matter of fact, you skip down. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. A lot of times we read that, but when you really look at that, he creates the separation. That his kingdom is above this world. It's higher than this world. Um, In my NASB Bible, Jesus looks at Pilate and he says, my kingdom is not of this realm. So now we look at Melchizedek. And I'll pass this off to Josh. Um, we have, now when we think of the priestly order, I mean, obviously we think of the Levitical priesthood, you know, that came from Aaron, the story of how Aaron represented and spoke from, you know, Moses, because Moses said, I, you know, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. Yeah. yeah. And so 
we have a, a, a priesthood, right, that's very important to the Jews, to Israel, and everything that's going to happen. Okay, but now we look at Melchizedek, and which he was a real person. He wasn't a figment. He wasn't uh, an imaginational person. Um, he was a real person, but we have to understand that Melchizedek's character is pointing to something higher than a human man. And so when you look at it, there's a separation. Like when you look at uh, Hebrews 5, 6, it, it quotes the text. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we've never read that about the Levitical priesthood, right? Because when you get further in Hebrews, which we'll probably cover, um, it, it talks about that um, they ha- they were limited because they would die. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, when we look at Melchizedek and how obviously through Hebrews, it's like the Levitical priesthood's right here, and then climb up the ladder ten more steps, and here's Melchizedek, a priesthood that lasts forever. Why is that separation important when it comes to terms of Christ? Well, so with, with the separation is important because the the Old Testament priest would never be able to fulfill the the sin. Um, so therefore, they were flawed. They had the same sin inside of them that we all do. So they could not intercept or intercede for mankind and the sins. One of the things was that, you know, when we look at Christ, Christ is our intercessor. So basically, Christ is the one that is going to allow us to stand before the Father to be guiltless because of the blood of the of the lamb because of the blood of the son so therefore he is fully our intercessor the reason we, we needed that was because the sin was so great and is so great that without that there there is no it had to be a perfect sacrifice it had to be and that's why we see that we had them come out of the virgin birth um, because of a God. Melchizedek was different because he was both priest and king. Um, so therefore, that was a, a, a big indicator of separation because you had a king tribe, which was um, what was the tribe of Judah, was the, basically where the kings came out of. Right. And then you had the priestly tribe. So Melchizedek is the first example of both priest and king well then later we you know and 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 it was it's um it's a it's it's a type and picture of christ absolutely if what was the great the the one to come and go ahead so when you said that uh, my my mind just goes to to racing and I'm, i'm i'm putting things but the priests in the old testament would go in they would offer sacrifice they'd take the blood they'd put it where sprinkle it on the mercy seat Christ, being our high priest, takes the blood and he puts it on our hearts. Mm. And he then him, him being our intercessor between us and God. Yes, when making God that sees, connection. When God sees me, now he, instead of my sins, not being covered or, 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 or you know, we'll, we'll give you credit for a year, next year we do it again. But instead of seeing my fleshly dirtiness he sees the blood of christ yes that that so that that was it is it is he makes the connection between god and mankind and it's through him 
But the other thing that um, that was um, that I, when I was reading through this, all of this is in ch- Hebrews chapter seven. Is basically where most of all my text I pulled from um, was that the Christ priesthood was more effective because Jesus actually could complete the work. You know, so the, the, the all the Old Testament priests would never be able to complete it because because they of the sin. Jesus was that. He Absolutely. was able to make yeah. that connection to, and give that perfect, perfect sacrifice. Yeah. And, and wouldn't come through the tribe of Levi either. Nope. Right. So the key, uh, let me read a text in, in um, chapter 7. Therefore, perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law. Uh, well, i got another text Alan's talking about as far as imputed righteousness of what the Lord puts on our account. Another text says, therefore... Uh, that uh, that righteousness uh, of the law is fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So as you read through, he says, What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not called after the order of Aaron, right? The Levitical side. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So we know the law is holy, just, and good. The mm-hmm. law still condemns sin regardless um, for he of whom these things are spoken of pertaineth to another, uh, another tribe of which no man giveth attendance at the altar. Mm-hmm. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Yes, of which, <laughs> <The> better tribe. <laughs> of which, yeah, our tribe. Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. So we read about the, the heavenly tabernacle, the representation and the earthly. Think about this. Offerings were given back when when sin come in the garden. Mm-hmm. We look at and the sons right of Adam and Eve. They're bringing their offering before the Lord. One decides not to bring the offering that's required. God has always come to man and approached him, and and cur- told him how he could be right with God. And we know those offerings uh, they weren't permanent. They didn't, for example, we we realized that as as we get down through here. But those offerings, God's was like, well. Why are you angry, Cain? And he he wanted to offer what he wanted to offer. And he said, "But you know that you're you'll be over your brother. You'll you'll be the elder if you if you offer what's right. Mm-hmm. Do what's right." And he was angry because he didn't want to offer to God. Yeah. And that's what we see down through the even through the Levitical side. By the time from Aaron until the days of Malachi, and you study about the priests and the offerings, how will a how will a man rob God? And ye say, you know, wherein? And, and you go through all those texts. They were offering sacrifices that were poor. They were mm-hmm. blind. They had no value. And, and it was through that the, they lost. Right. They lost how it started. Yeah. And and the priestly order, right? They had got calloused to yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Well, even like when you think about, um, and I can't remember whose two sons it was. But MacArthur wrote his book Strange Fire based on the two um, the two sons that offered strange fire, yeah. the strange sacrifices, and they burn up. Eli had two sons, and so they didn't take the reverence of the sacrifices. But one thing that Pastor Jason just said about the earthly for regulations of sacrifice and worship versus the heaven, I want to read uh, a little bit out of Hebrews nine. Um, and I think this will set us up to dive in this a little deeper. And so verse one says, now, even the first covenant had regulations for divine worship and the er earthly sanctuary for tabernacle tabernacle was equipped 
the outer sanctuary in which where the lampstand, the table, the sacred bread, this is called the holy place. Verse 3, behind the second veil there was a tabernacle which is called the most holy place. Having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's staff which budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the atoning cover. But about these things we cannot speak in detail. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle performing the divine worship. But into the second only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. Verse 8. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food, drink, various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. Verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of good things having come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made by hands, that is, not of this creation, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more... Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, I've read this text because you kind of got a picture of what it looked like um, in the Old Testament when the priests would be in the outer, but only the high priest could enter in. And when you study it out, it's a once one time a year kind of sacrifice, and he has to enter in with blood. Pastor Jason mentioned a couple examples of men who um, did things wrong or what happened. Now, I want to say this. We study out the ways of the high priest in the Old Testament, and we can learn a lot, and it really foreshadows uh, the coming of Christ. But one thing I love is verse 11, but it's, it says, But when Christ appeared, Jesus didn't have to wait in the outer tabernacle. He didn't have to wait once a year to enter in the Holy of Holy that was built by men's hands and had all the things that were significant. When you study out the Most High, the perfect tabernacle that He would enter in, it would refer to the presence of God in the heavenly place. And so when Jesus died on the cross and He offered His blood, He didn't offer it on this in just a little building. He presented himself before God Almighty in the holiest of holies. And that's where he um, would really intercede for us. And so when you guys look at this, because Joshua stated that Melchizedek, the priesthood, it was above the Levitical priesthood. But not only that, it would last forever. When you read Hebrews 7, Hebrews 8, it would talk about how Christ would be our high priest forever. So, men... When you think about that Jesus didn't have to enter in uh, a building like they did in the Old Testament, you know, the old regulations and all that stuff, and you think about how he entered into heaven itself, 
we think about this. Obviously, the old covenant tradition wasn't followed when Christ. He was bringing in something new. The guarantee of a better covenant. So, when you think about how Christ stepped into the holiest of holies, not a place built by men's hands, and he offered his blood and he's intercessing in the presence of God. For us as believers, how important is that for our faith? So I think that's why there's so much information on this topic. I mean, we we go into different subjects on this podcast, and this one, there is an abundance of Scripture. There's an abundance of information. And I think that is why, because as mankind had got into this routine of a system of ceremonial ceremonial yeah. performance, it lost its meaning. Yes. And as a human, we start ritualistically being a, a doer of works and think that it's the act that we're performing that makes us righteous. When God's just laying the groundwork for the more perfect plan, and I, and again, that's why those scripture goes into such great detail. Uh, this is not a subject that a Christian should be naive about or be ignorant on, because the information is there. The portions for the the Levitical priests, right from your sacrifices, and then we'd see Christ say, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me." You can see it all down through text of how. Think about this. They're going through their daily routines. They're going through their service, their sacrifice. They're burning incense in the temple, right? They're in there preparing to go through what they've been going through for for decades. And then all of a sudden, you've got a man. Cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. Yeah. (laughs) And then from from the sixth to the ninth hour, right? Mm -hmm. You look and darkness filled the land, right? So... When you start looking at what was getting ready to happen, which had never occurred before, there's this veil Hunter talked about into the holiest of all. It was, I forget the height, the thickness of it, but when you look at what was taking place in the temple and what God was getting ready to do, I mean, the veil rents from top to bottom. Not bottom to top. (laughs) That's right. It's top to bottom. You imagine old boy sitting there and looking up, you know, I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. Like the jailer. But think about this. When you when you study like the sacrifices and you look through, I mean, you go back to where it's without spot, right? It's without blemish. You you hold it up to the fourteenth day and you go down, um, and then we look as far as what was opened up to us. Hunter was leading us into this about um, Christ offering once, and then now He represents us. Now He intercedes on our behalf. When we look is is our relation to Him, uh, which is what this this opened up right here. Uh, even the the scriptures talk about the testament, the testator. You know, the will's not good unless a man dies. Mm-hmm. So uh, the picture of Abraham offering up Isaac, we, we see things that would see Christ would be the one that would come. Now when we look as far as the sacrifice and, and you and I being able to be part of this inheritance, uh, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness, right? There's no... So because that his blood was shed for us, and because that he did reach the heavens, right? Because he is on the right hand of God. Because he's there daily. And, and he won't be unthroned. There won't be another. No one else has ever been born of a virgin. So now we look at ourselves and here we are. I mean, outside the commonwealth of Israel, right? Gentile descent. Um, you look at what 
when Christ comes onto the scene, first thing that he does, he goes into the temple. And what are they doing? They're profaning it. My house is to be a house of prayer, and you you have made it a den of thieves, taking advantage of the poor on making money. Off, you know, in Matthew 23, he deals with all that. And, and look at the purity of the service of his office. That through his life, his life was the example of a sinless life and the purpose of what a true high priest should do, yeah. to represent the people, love the people. I mean, think about it. The whole purpose of the high priest. I mean, just the position in itself, a lot of weight goes with that. But to also have the burden of the people, not only for yourself, but for those. And then look at Christ. And then it says he come into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as would receive him, <laughs> to them gave he the power to come to the sons of God, even to them that would believe yeah. on his name. Um, And, I mean, we've in such a short time, really painted the picture of what the high priest is and the Levitical sense. And then you see the responsibilities. You know, Christ would take those, finish it once and for all by what he would do. So we really painted the picture of the high priest. Um, and now I kind of want to transition to this. Now, the high priest goes in to offer the sacrifice. Now, we've talked about sacrifice, but, I, I mean, we've got about 15 minutes left. And I'd really like for us to spend a lot of time on the sacrificial part of the the sin, forgiveness of sin. And so uh, I'm going to read a little bit out of Hebrews 10, and I'm going to pass it to Josh. Um, For the law, since it was holy, a shadow of good things to come, and not the form of those things itself, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually every year, make those who approach perfect. Otherwise, would they have cease to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleaned would no longer have had consciousness of sins but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year that's a key point verse 4 for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins therefore when he comes into the world he says you have not desired sacrifice and offering but you have prepared a body for me You have not taken pleasure in whole burnt offerings and offerings for sins. Verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come. It is written of me in the scroll of the book to do your will, O God. Verse 8, After saying above, talking about what was just said, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and offerings for sins you have not desired, for you have taken no pleasure in them, which are offered according to law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. See, uh, our listeners, really think about that. Look at the transition of what he said that he didn't pleasure in, and then he finished it with, but I've come to do your will. Verse 10, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Verse 11, Every priest stands daily, ministering and offering uh, offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins, all time sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, This is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my laws upon their hearts. I will write them on their mind. He then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Right here in verse 18. Now where there is forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. Mm, That's some good stuff right there. That's meat. But when you look at this, Josh, and then we'll, we'll go around the table, and it talks about... Uh, the law and how it couldn't forgive us of our sins once and for all. Men stood daily, every year offering the same sacrifices. Um, And then, you know, when you get down here to verse 5, which if you look at verse 5, it's referencing, uh, let's see, um, Psalms 40, uh, chapter or chapter 40, verse 6. And you look at this and it says, You have not desired a sacrifice, you prepared a body. And then he says, um, right there in verse 8, after saying these things, um, verse 9, he said, Behold, I've come. So he's taken away the first in order to establish the second. But he establishes the second through the body of Christ and his sacrifices. And then when we when we get up here, it says, Now where there's forgiveness of these things, an offering for sin is no longer required. So, Josh, this the, the writer has just shown us how the first has been made void and the second has came in. But not only that, the second final offering that Christ gave, gave us forgiveness forever. No longer to be to be remembered. I mean, that's what it says in verse 17 of chapter 10. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will no longer remember. So, Josh, obviously, we all can sit here and agree that this sacrifice was completely different than anything that had been offered. Why? It, it, it got, the the law previous to that the law it was under law when that new covenant came it's through Christ Christ fulfilled the law for us in our behalf the law has been fulfilled so therefore we don't have to focus as much as the Old Testament time in that daily of our yearly altar sacrifices for our sins I mean it now we can go to the Lord yes. we can take our sins directly to him we don't have to go to a so he is the high priest and the the beauty of it is and every time i read this especially in hebrew um hebrews 10 15 through 18 there 17 he says and their sins and iniquities mm-hmm. i will remember no more yeah that that i wish i had the capability to forget my sins but he does but, but that's the thing is that at this time, when we go to the altar with our sin before him, the power that he holds to give us forgiveness mm. for and to take it and to cleanse us. And give you a clear conscience. And that's, yes. that's one thing that we've, we've, if you read on down through the end of the chapter, there's the, the, the things that this new, and a lot of folks don't like change. And I get that. I don't like change. But when you look at the old, the old system, the old way, that the, 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 the groundwork that established what we now are, are able to enjoy is the fact that we have a right standing with God. We have a clear conscience. We don't have to quiver you know and, and worry about hope i get everything right i don't want to mess nothing up or i'll drop dead in the holy we can enter boldly yes yes it's, into the holy place we can we can approach him right where he's at and come to him as we are and expect and believe in confidence yeah the bible says we can have confidence in the fact that he will 
Yep. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us. Make us. Give us that that that, that pure heart. And it, and it and it is that simple, you know. But I, and I don't remember where it's at in the text. But it talks about that after the cleansing, the forgiveness has been done, that we can become guilty of putting burdens upon those around us. Um, I'll find that text. But that's it is that simple christ did all the work yep. it's nothing of us it was nothing that we did it is his gift to the to to all mankind it was a gift of god that it's not us it's, that's what the yoke he said take yes, take my yeah. yoke upon you and learn of me my yoke is easy my burden is light you come learn of me when you read that because he was talking to people that was burdened down by trying to be religious. Yes. And even the part of offering sacrifices is a, a, a work-type action, right? Yep. And so that's where we realize Ephesians 2 and 9, not of works lest any man should vote. <laughs> think, think about yeah. this. When, when, we, when we tell people, when we share with people that have that sin burden, and God, God reveals that to them. No man come to the Father, the Father sent, he draws, right? That's right. Through that, that drawing of the Holy Spirit, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. When people get under conviction, right? When when they're broken for their sins. Jesus is the only message that we have. It's his blood that was shed. And and John the Baptist is like prepping the way, right? Prepare, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. But even when John says, and he looked out, he said, Behold, the name <laughs> yeah, of God, God. which Amen. taketh away the sin of of the whole world. Yeah. Then he says that they'll take our sins and cast them behind him. Yeah. The analogy of far as the east is from the west. So when you look at that, is that there's nothing that we had to offer, nothing that we had to bring to the cross other than our sins. Yeah. Our sacrifices would never be good enough. The sacrifice, the, the animal sacrifice, they had no clue of the reason why they were being killed. They had no clue. They just were picked, chosen, their blood was shed, and their life was over. Mm-hmm. But think about what Christ did. Mm-hmm. That one-time offering, that the sacrifice would now have relation to a man. No, it was coming. The fullness of time come. God sent forth his son in the likeness of, right? That's Simple. why he was here. <laughs> yeah. That's why he come. <laughs> well, even when you think about, which I had another thought, but it'll come back. If, but when you look at... Um, chapter 5 and verse 7 and it says in the days of his humanity he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one that was able to save him from death he was heard because of his devout behavior although he was a son he learned obedience from the things which he suffered and have been made perfected he became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him and just as you two just said he knew like when you think about uh, he offered up um, prayers um, and pleas with loud crying and tears. I mean, think about when he's in the garden, right? And, he, and he's praying unto the Father. And he quote, he says that one time, you know, if this cup can pass, take it. If this can, But he says, ultimately, your will be done. It's not that Christ was about to chicken out. It wasn't that he was asking God to rewrite the what had to happen. No. We saw a picture of his human side. Yes. yes. But the reason he said those things was to paint the picture of how serious and how uh, awful his death was getting ready to be. Physically, spiritually, he was cur- he was taking on God's curse. But what I love is he knew what was going to happen. Not only did he know 
After that, he said, your will be done. He knew he had to get up. And once he came up from the God, he, he came up from prayer. You keep going through the book of John. Eventually, um, Judas shows up with the legion uh, of um, the army, the, um, the Roman soldiers. There was about, I was telling Josh, when you study out a cohort, it's about 200 to 600 men. And all of a sudden, they he says, who are you here for? And they said, Jesus. He says, I am he. All of a sudden, the whole cohort fell. Backwards. Oh, they fell because of how much power. But we see that they stood back up. And he's voluntarily saying, okay, take me. Peter pulls his sword out. He's like, no. And he cuts the man's ear off. Christ picks it back up. Says, you live by the sword. You die. He puts the ear back on. And then he freely and willingly goes... With the men. Now, think about this. When he appears before Pilate, how many opportunities did Pilate say, I see no guilt in this man? Jesus could have been like, yeah, you're right. I'm on your side. Let's become buddies and get me out of here. At one point, Pilate asked him a question. He didn't say anything because he knew what what Pilate said. Do you not know that I have the power? To control it. And he said, if you had the power, it's because it was given to you. He knew exactly what was getting ready to happen. And I love that because (laughs) not only did he... I mean, we have to think, you know, a a huge word we talk about in the Bible, a lot people like to talk about is predestined, right? Predestination, you get into a huge... I'm not talking about it from our end, but think about it. From the foundations of the world, it was a predestined thing that Jesus Christ would come. Yep. Because of what took place, when you look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, disobedience through one man, obedience through the other man. It's talking about because of what Adam did in the garden, something had to happen. Absolutely, Something had to be put in order. And one thing that I love about God is His providence. And He can look out into the future. He can look in the past and see what needs to take place. And when you look at the Old Testament, a lot of people say, what was the point? If it wasn't going to work, what's the point of the Old Testament? Here's the point of the Old Testament. When you look at the law, when you look at the commandments, what does it do? It points out our sin. How many years did God give them to study the law and see the commandments to realize that they were sinners? How many years has He given us to see that we are sinners? The Old Testament itself points to Christ. The New Testament points to Christ. A lot of stories, you know, point towards the end. What I love is ours points towards the middle. The most important part of human history, of earth history, is what we read in the four Gospels of Jesus Christ and how He was born from a virgin, He lived, and then He willingly knew. He willingly knew. If you study out Colossians, it talks about the preeminence of Christ and how He is the image of the invisible God and all things were made through Him and for Him. He existed before He became a human baby. But He knew all the way from the beginning that he was going to have to die a terrible, cursed death. And that shows us the love that he had. Greater uh, love hath no man than a man that will lay down his life for his friends. And I mean, Christ tells me I'm his friend in that text. But what I love is when you uh, study out the Bible, there's a key text that says, We're the children of Abraham by faith. Mm -hmm. It said that he would bless many generations, many nations. 
When you go over in John chapter 4 and the, uh, the Samaritan woman, she's saying, you know, uh, she, she perceived Jesus was a prophet. And she's like, you know, you all worship on the mount. We worship down here. And what I love is he said, true, the time will come for true worshipers. They will neither worship on this mount. They will neither worship in That text is foreshadowing the New Testament, the gospel dispensation of a true worshiper. There's neither Greek uh, a Jew, nor Greek, nor bondsor, nor slave. All that it's people who will surrender to Christ. Yep. They will believe and put their full faith into Him. And Alan talked about the newness that we receive, and that's what I love is when I was saved, dude. I couldn't explain everything that just took place, but all I know is my heart was new, new. I remember uh, the the men of the old times. They'd say, "You you know, white as snow." They pulled out of the text the songs, the hymns we sing. I, I feel light and white as snow. Man, that's what my life felt like because it was completely changed. So I know we're running out of time, but uh, when we talk about the fact that the sacrifice that Christ made was voluntary, he had that, you know what I'm saying? He was willingly sacrificial. He, 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 he laid his life down. He chose to do that. He could have at any time called up legions of angels to come and, and, and rescue him. He chose not to. He chose to die on our stead. That's a perfect example of us as humans being a free moral agent. We have the opportunity to choose to believe all that we've talked about for the past 59 minutes. We also have the opportunity to say, eh, I'm going to quit listening or I don't believe that. We want to encourage you, if you're listening, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, hopefully something that we've said, hopefully something that's been talked about, the Holy Spirit will confirm in your heart there's, there's relevance there. There's there's truth in what we're talking about. And maybe you're curious about a relationship with Christ. If you want help, uh, reach out to us. Uh, call here at the church. Uh, you can email us. Any, any, any uh, uh, avenue you choose, we'll do our best to help you any way we can. But the, the reason God has set this plan in motion is because we have the ability to believe. We also have the ability to reject Please don't reject him today if he's speaking to your heart. Absolutely. The the moral side of, of man and even the part of Romans 1 that talks about the judgments, <clears throat> people that go wayward, they understand those judgments. They hold them in their bosom. The part of what we're talking about here today is to know, for example, when they talked about your, your conscience being clean, having peace with God, having eternity in your heart, knowing that that his righteousness is placed on your account, that your life, regardless of the things that you're doing now, whatever sins that they may be, his blood's sufficient to cover all those sins. Absolutely. But the part about it is because of his sacrifice and him giving himself willingly is that a person has to get to the place that they're willing yeah. to, to confess those sins. And then once salvation comes, they're free from those sins. Absolutely. There's no bondage Absolutely. in it. They're, they have spiritual life. New creature in Christ, right? So so as you listen to this and, and we talk about this high priest, it, it's a gory scenery when you really study it out. But but know this. He he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes. To 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 set people that are captive, to set them free. There's people that's burdened down with sins, they're burdened down with lifestyle changes, choices. Absolutely. They've got all these things. Expectations. And, trying to please people. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 something yeah. that as as you you look into Christ and the freedom that's offered in Him, 
man alive. There's there's uh, 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 more. Uh, Bible talks about having abundant life, and that's not talking about just in heaven. You can have abundant life while you're here on earth. Absolutely. And that, that's a great point. I, I want to read um, this section of Scripture. It's just a few verses, and then um, I'll pray for us. And this is Hebrews 10, um, starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter in the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is through his flesh, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let's approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil mm-hmm. conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. What a great way to end a great section of doctrine in Scripture that we should have confidence to enter the holy place. We should have confidence. And what I love is, you know, the holy place, a lot of people will say, well, oh, that's the church building. We got to go there. And they'll say somewhere else. But what I love is the holy place is the place where I get on my knees before God and I bow down in reverence and I call upon His name because He will intercede for us. And guys, I, I hope you feel so encouraged by this. And I would encourage you, study it out for yourself. I feel like there's a lot we really didn't get to touch on. Um, there are actually some questions I wanted to ask Pastor Jason from a pastor's um, standpoint. You know, maybe we'll get to come back to those um, eventually. But we've come to another time, and I want to pray for us. Lord, we come to you in prayer, and we thank you for this time. Um, Lord, we thank you for your scripture that, man, we, we our minds are just blown by. Lord, we find ourselves in reverence and respect of how holy you are. Um, Lord, what I love is you are God, a God that is far, but you are a God that is near. Lord, and we just thank you for how you willingly, voluntarily died on the cross for yes, our God. sins. Because truly, who else could have done it? I couldn't have done it. Josh, Alan, Pastor Jason, they couldn't have done it. Only you could have, and you did. So we praise you, and we thank you for the salvation that we have. But, Father, let us cling to the hope that we have, because he who promised is faithful. Lord, we know that you'll keep your promises. We read, uh, the Scriptures tell us that God cannot lie. He will not contradict himself. And He, if he has promised us a hope through Jesus Christ, then that is surely something that we will cling to, and that is 100% truth. God, I pray for anybody that's listening to this. I pray you'd bless them. God, I pray you'd draw them closer to you in their relationship with you. But as Alan said, if someone's listening to this and they've never been saved, they've never encountered the grace of God, Lord, I just pray that you'd pour it all over them. Lord, I pray you'd draw them to their knees through conviction. I pray that they would respond, they'd confess, they'd repent, and they'd believe, and they'd put their faith in Christ, who is our only hope. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that Pastor Jason would come and join us. Father, we pray you'd put your hand on him, and you'd bless him, Lord, as he leads our church. But Father, bless all of the pastors, Lord, all of the shepherds who labor, Father, amongst your people, because we are all one body, Lord. And God, I just pray for the body of Christ throughout this nation, throughout this world. Lord, let us be bold. Let us be courageous. And Lord, as we come into this new year, just draw us closer to you. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Guys, well, that's all we have today. Guys, y'all have anything else you want to say before we go? 2021, I highly recommend Jesus. Yeah. 2021. Pastor Jason, thank you so much for joining us God again. So, guys, we'll see you next time. Peace out. Mm-hmm.